Hi, and welcome to episode 240 of No Crying in Baseball, the Baseball Birthday Bliss episode. My name is Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey, I feel like I should sing happy birthday yet again, but I won't put our, our listeners through that. But I can, I'll do that with you in the, in the car very soon on our way to a baseball game. How appropriate. Or or not. That's okay, too. <laughs> Actually, we, we've been having a great time. Potty Mouth's taken very good care of me, as has um, Junior Potty Mouth over the past several days. There's been so much baseball fun. And I've got to say, I'm going to tell you more about how yesterday was one of my best baseball days ever. And that includes, I started the day at 9 a.m. helping to clean out the stadium where the Summer League, the Thunderbolts, play. And that included dealing with mouse poop from over the winter months. And even with mouse poop involved, it was still one of my best baseball days ever. So that should set you up for some happiness. Well, you guys gave some mice a good place to to pass the winter, right? In your refrigerator. Yeah, let's go with that. Let's go with it. That's a a nice spin. Look at you embracing the wildlife. (laughs) And now they're off scampering around. And yes, fly, be free. Enjoy the woods, please. There's plenty of it. Well, my motto for this weekend is never give up. I'm super excited um, because the player that I'm sponsoring through Adopt a Minor League Player. And folks, if you haven't heard about this, go check them out on Twitter, Adopt a Minor League Player. Both Patty and I at this point have adopted guys. And it's a super good way to get to know somebody who's in the minor league and to really get a personal view of what they're going through and to help them out a little bit because y'all know that minor league situation it's getting better in baby, baby, baby steps. Um, but the guy that I've been with for the past couple of years has been struggling and it's hard to see that, you know, and it gives me definitely an appreciation for when you see those relief pitchers go out there and they just suck and they're just taking all the heat from the fans. They don't want to suck. They just, it's so hard what these guys have to go through. So my guy's been struggling and he was released uh, like a week or two ago. I don't remember. I was super concerned because um, also, have you seen the documentary Sugar? It's about a Dominican player and it just reminded me of that movie. And I won't give away the ending. No, no spoilers here, but it's it's a rough situation to see it. Definitely see it. So I thought this guy was going to follow in those footsteps. But this morning I got a text from him saying that he was picked up by the Nationals organization, which is super exciting because that's where Patty's guy is. This is really great. I'm, this is great. Second chances. We mm-hmm. are we are we are pulling for your guy. We're pulling for all, all these minor leaguers who are trying so hard to make it. It's so important that we help them out both by cheering them on. And also, if you have a couple of extra bucks. Find Adopt a Minor Leaguer on Twitter. There's a link to sign up to be a sponsor and and help a guy out. Um, You know, when I first met um, the guy that I sponsor, I said, what do you most need help with? He said, gas and food. I mean, Mm -hmm. those are like, you can't get more basic than that. And that's that's where they need it. So if you have anything you can spare, here's a really rewarding place to do it, especially if you really love baseball. Mm -hmm. On today's show... I got Adley Rutschman's call up for my birthday, a little late, but it was there. And honestly, that's not even the most exciting thing about today's show. We have scored our friend, Dr. Meredith Wills, for an interview to talk about the dead balls, the new balls, the baseballs. How are they different? What's going the heck on with them? And we've included some questions from our Patreon sponsors in this interview. And we have a surprise ending. Yesterday was Adley Day. Potty Mouth and Junior Potty Mouth and I went to the O's game on Friday night. It was super exciting. It was a walk-off. We were hoping that was going to be Adley's call-up. It was not. We're, okay, all right. And then it'll happen sometime, and we're just, we're just trying to deal with it. And then 8 a.m. the next morning, 
Junior Potty Mouth comes running down the stairs saying, open Twitter, open Twitter, open Twitter, open Twitter. And sure enough, the O's announced at 8 a.m. on Saturday morning, Adley Rutschman's call up. So this is my boyfriend on the O's. I've been so patient, so very, very patient. And we immediately canceled all of our plans for the day, except for our interview with Meredith, which we actually moved. Thank you, Dr. Wills, for being flexible. Thank you, Potty Mouth, for being flexible. And immediately got tickets because we were not going to miss this call up. We got to Orioles Park. It was Heck with Disney World, Orioles Park was the happiest place on earth. I have never seen so much joy in one place. Well, especially so much joy at Camden Yards in a long time. And we got there super early because I promised I promised Junior Potty Mouth a, a Rutschman jersey. Oh, so we got there early. We were like we were at wait, wait in line for the gates to open. We buzz over to the the team store. We grab one. We go up to the um to the checkout, and there's no price tag on it. Because, you know, they had a, a second and a half to prepare. So the, the sales clerk goes over and tries to find another one. And she not only brings another jersey over, she brings a guy holding the jersey over. Because it was the last large. And this guy needed that. And she's like, I just need the price tag. Come and I will take care of you. You can skip the entire line. Wow. He didn't, like, want to let go of it. <laughs> it's right. He was not going to. And, and even when when she walked away with the one that we were going to buy, um, Junior Potty Mouth was like, I'm really worried that she's going to put that down somewhere and I'm never going to see it again. <laughs> wow, timing, man. So in the meantime, we're talking to who appears to be the manager of the store. He said, yeah, we ha- we didn't know what number he was going to be, so we didn't order ahead. So we think they spent wow. all like all overnight doing like the customize your jersey to have some there. Yeah, They sold out during batting practice of all the Rutschman jerseys that they had. But in the meantime... You know, the, the guy that we brought over, we were all chatting and and Junior Potty Mouth was saying, yeah, the last jersey I bought was was Trey Turner. He said, yeah, the last one I bought was Manny Machado. I mean, like how long Ooh. ago, right, were these jerseys? And they both may or may not have turned sour in the eyes of the beholder. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's OK, they, we, we bonded over the uh, the Richmond jerseys. Anyway, two takeaways from the kind of guy that Adley Richmond is. I loved the moment. You've all seen it on Twitter already when he goes to the plate and to you know to start the game as catcher and standing ovation and he takes a second to do like just turn around very slowly and see it all and kind of put his hand on his heart before he puts the helmet down and gets to work like he took a second to soak it in you know and and he said later i've i've been told to do that by so many people who have been there like you don't want to forget this moment enjoy soak it enjoy that moment the other thing that i saw him doing that i didn't realize was that unusual after at the end of every inning he would run up to the pitcher as they were exiting the field and they would fist bump and they would talk for a second. And apparently he's been doing that since high school. That's not the norm, but every single inning it's like, okay, we're together on this. You know, they, they touch base on, you know, things they saw or, you know, happy things. And they walk off together because they're a freaking team. And I just Uh loved every minute of that. We got to see his first hit, which was a stand up triple. It was so exciting. There was a lot of cheering and hugging. And it turns out the last two um, people to do that as as their um, as their first major league hit in the Orioles organization were Matt Wieters and Manny Machado, the two other like super huh. hyped prospects coming up. So that was kind of poetic and super fun and so much joy. I am it was great. so glad that you guys met that. That was um, Brett Phillips did a little bit of a bobble on that triple. I was watching that. He did. He did. Um, I, he was right there. I'm like, I love you so much. You're so good at baseball. I'm really glad that that didn't work out for right. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of that. And to give you guys like a huge amount of credit for being on those tickets at eight o'clock in the morning, we got home at 
God knows what time the night before because we were there for 13 innings worth of the the O's walking it off. So for you guys to actually be awake and that tuned in, that's dedication. Can, can I just tell you that um, that uh, Junior Potty Mouth had what was a really good idea in retrospect. They had already told Adley Friday night that he was coming up, right? They didn't tell oh, him okay. at eight in the morning, right? So he knew. So the, the news was out. Right. I mean, they had to stay up all night making these jerseys, right? What they should have done for like the the 3,000 people who were still oh, left at Camden Yards, right. shouldn't they have shown that video of him getting the call up like at the end when like all the people who couldn't, who couldn't stick out 13 innings right? yep. and to reward those who did yeah, and say, woo, and then let us get our tickets and jerseys on the way out because yeah. how many people didn't get the 8 a.m. text because they had been up so late at freaking Camden Yards? Yes. So if we were in charge, again, if we were in charge, but it worked out because we're those people and we got them and Oh my God. So exciting. Take note. That is brilliant. That's totally brilliant because I was impressed actually. I mean, that must've been amazing the next night that the energy on Friday night was good enough that you could see it building. So I'm hoping, you know, hoping it works out for everybody. But of course, with my Red Sox in the same division, hoping not not too, (laughs) too much. Oh, baby steps, baby steps. So the bulk of our show right now is going to be our fantastic conversation with Dr. Meredith Wills. And I want to give a special shout out to our friend Susie, who put in the request. So, you know, that might inspire some of you guys to get in touch with us on social media. We'll tell you about how to at the end. But here we have, by popular demand, our interview with Dr. Meredith Wills. So by popular demand from our listeners, we finally are here today after a couple of reschedules and hoping and hoping to interview our friend, Dr. Meredith Wills, astrophysicist, knitter, and destroyer of baseballs. I see that's your new tagline. We're so happy to have you with us, Meredith. Yeah. Hi. I'm I'm excited to be here. And this may be my first by popular demand podcast. So I'm like super <laughs> psyched about that. First of many, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. First time I've seen the name specifically asked for, though. It, it was pretty cool. Leave it to our listeners. Thank you, guys. Great ideas out there. Great ideas. So one thing that we always do when we have interviews is we start off just asking about your personal connection to baseball. So where and how did your personal connection to baseball begin? Oh, man. I I tell you, I love it. It's weird to like love your own story with it, but I love the story. (laughs) Um, So I was born on opening day. Um, Wow. Not just that, but my dad had... Uh, he grew up uh, in Wisconsin, had been a Milwaukee Braves fan, like for the entire existence of the team. Uh, by then, they'd moved to Atlanta. But um, that opening day was also the day that Hank Aaron tied Babe Ruth's home run record. And the day you were so born. The day I was born was both opening day and the day that ba- that Hank Aaron tied Babe Ruth's home run record. Uh, I've also since discovered it was the first day that the cowhide baseball was introduced instead of the horse hide so even that like I've got that weird auspicious as well (laughs) but my dad is not a particularly religious or superstitious person he still though went out he bought me a baseball bat the day I was born as far as he was concerned I was supposed to be in the hall of fame I was supposed to do (laughs) something in the game uh you know my birth announcements had you know a little little girl with a interesting enough with a, a pink hat and um a baseball bat and uh, my parents got an awful lot of, uh, you know, congratulations on the birth of your baby boy. 
because <laughs> of course, why would a girl have a baseball bat? Uh, I was three weeks old when my dad took my first ball game. He will always say, and Steve Carlton was pitching. Uh, so having, yeah, I did meet Steve Carlton as an adult and uh, my dad. Did you let him wanted... know that part of the story? Well, actually, what was funny was I was I was like, what, 21, 22, you know, had, I, I was in, in grad school, you know, blonde hair down to my butt. You know, I, I liked, I was, it was a cute little chickie with the, the uh, it was a, a, a VIP Hall of Fame dinners. We had, we had like the only time in my life, it, VIP tickets for the Hall of Fame induction. And I'm getting an autograph from him. And my dad comes up behind me and says, you know, you pitched the first game she ever went to when she was three weeks old. And the first thing that went through my head is, Daddy, you just made him feel so old. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> but yeah, it's so, uh, and I do, I, I even still have, uh, it, I guess it's in storage, but there was even a Phillies helmet giveaway for the kids. And I still have the helmet. Uh, I, I now, you know, I will at some point get it uh, autographed by Steve Carlton. I can as soon oh. as I manage to rescue it, but I, I have a promise for that. I'm impressed that they gave it to the three-week-old, like that they can. I'm sure it. my dad cool. argued hard. Yeah. I mean, he, he <laughs> even even when I mean, when I was 12, I looked like I was 16. It was just sort of one of those. And yet, my dad, you know, he would try to convince them, like when I was 14 or 15, that like no, really, I was still a kid. It's like, mm-hmm. Daddy, even when I was a kid, you wouldn't have been able to convince them. So <laughs> I can totally see him having been like, no, she's a child. She gets the helmet. This is her first game. I can. Yeah, that would have been the argument. I just have to say that that I think you won that question. I think that is the best answer that we've had (laughs) in the past six years. So congratulations. (laughs) I'll tell you, like when I it really took, I think, till I was an adult to kind of stop and think about it. And it 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 sounds like fiction. It sounds like something <laughs> that you would make up. And no, really, I swear that's. And then we wouldn't believe you. I mean, like if it was in a right. movie, we'd say, "I'm sorry, that's way too far fetched." That's way yeah, too far-fetched. yeah. Yep. Well, eventually, I I'm you know shout out to Michael Lewis. Whenever all this stuff gets wrapped up, there's a book you need to write. Give me a call. Uh huh. No. It's like, hi, I'm your quirky main character. Well, at least one of the quirky main characters. He always has a number. But you know, I think. I think I can pull that off. I think so. That that would be a that would be a good yeah. person. Well, to write I mean, it's for sure, man. Yeah, I, I I think I'm secretly a fictional character, but whatever. <laughs> well, you look real enough to us, and we appreciate that. So let's get to the real stuff then. Huh. So okay, so you've been studying the construction of the official baseball for years, and again, like I've been reading, I was reading like all these older articles, and it seems like. Major League Baseball appoints an official commission every once in a while to study the baseball. And they like result in, yeah, yeah, the, the ball is more aerodynamic or less, but we don't know why. And then you come around and say, well, here, here's why. Here's here's why. So can you tell us about like what's your process for like investigating the makeup of the baseballs? If you wouldn't mind starting from where do the baseballs come from? What do you do when you take them apart? And then we the thing we really want to know is how many baseballs do you think are in your house right now? So- well, uh, I guess... If- I don't know if the sound's been coming through and we don't have video, but what you might be hearing from me in the background is that kind of hysterical laughter that you get to when there's just like this level of, are you kidding me? Right. <laughs> if you had told me back in 2017 that like this would be the central theme of my life, what, five years later? Right. <laughs> no way. Um, I guess the, the, to your original thing about, uh, you know, a committee every once in a while, this is a new thing. Um, to, to some extent, I think, think it might be uh because we now have statcast uh not that because if, if you actually if you go back and you take a look at 
home run numbers and home run rates. They they have, you know, they've steadily gone up and there have been blips uh, for frankly, what I now think are a bunch of different reasons. But um, I'm not entirely sure that the rise from 2014 to 2017 was as significant as they thought it was. It's just that we finally had measurements that like told us what was going on. Uh, so, you know, there's this rise that we did have in 2017, you know, back when that was like the most home runs. Remember, that was actually a home run surge that everyone was. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so mm -hmm. they had the data, really good scientific committee put together. Uh, if you have the tenacity there, it's I want to say it's an 83 page report. Uh, it's actually really, really good and insightful because at the time, now we think it's the baseball. Like now there's, there's sort of, it's all, people go back to, it's got to be the ball. In mm -hmm. fact, I feel like I need a tattoo that says that, or maybe it should be on my tombstone, who knows. That's right. But, I um, told you, it was the ball. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but the thing was at the time, all we knew were home runs were up. The right. why behind it was not mm -hmm. actually something that, uh, that people had, you know, figured out. So uh, you know, some people thought maybe steroids were back. Uh, the bats were brought up. The ball was brought up, but a couple different things. You know, Rob Arthur did a really cool study where he actually took CT scans to see if there was something different on with the pill on the inside. Um, climate change, I think, was my favorite theory that they did test. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, it being warmer, therefore the ball might travel farther. And with that report, the only thing that they found that was, we'd call it statistically significant, the only thing that was like, could not be explained away as just being some kind of uncertainty was that the ball had lower drag. And bear in mind, this is only measurable because we have StackS data. Had we you know, looked at this before, we couldn't have found if it had lower drag, even if it did. Uh, so, 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 so StackS is telling us how far, at what angle, at what speed, is there something mm -hmm. else? Are those like the main things? Yeah, it's there's that. Uh, now, in fact, now I believe uh, is it, Baseball Savant might actually have this. They literally now have daily drag data. Like they, they actually have put that out now. It's the way that it's calculated. Um, there's Rob Arthur did it this way. And now that's how, how the StackHouse group is doing it. The, the drag doesn't get calculated from the fly balls themselves. It gets calculated from fastball data because there actually is enough information there. And what you want is you, you basically need the trajectory to be as, as constant as you can, because the ball itself, you know, depending on how it spins, depending on the orientation of the seams this year, especially because the balls are weird, we can get to that. <laughs> um, the, uh, you need to have as few variables as possible. So having the, you know, start to finish on the ball, uh, be pretty constant, you know, the, 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 uh, yeah start to finish, same location anyway. So, um, but yeah, drag is not something we were able to calculate until we actually were tracking the baseball. Um, the thing is at the time, the home run committee said, okay, we know the ball has lower drag. They couldn't find anything different about the baseball. It's like something has to be physically different that's increasing the drag. Um, what I'd been looking at was actually, it had to do with the interior mostly. And it's because the interior of the baseball uh, is it's yarn uh, almost entirely. And uh, there's you know, one for sure, one instance where I'm reasonably sure a change to the yarn did actually affect how the ball traveled, which is the dead ball to the live ball era. 
they did switch from using a lower quality yarn because this was right around the end of World War One to uh, to higher quality Australian merino. And uh, suddenly the balls got more lively. Now there are a bunch of things that happened in addition to that, but as a knitter, uh, I can attest to the fact that you know different kinds of wool really do respond differently. So this is this is it's a tiny little hill I will happily die on because I have had some interesting back and forths with people. It's like you know until you until you can demonstrate to me, maybe this is a better way to think of it. If you have a, a huge change like that in the supply it's going to be a lot more likely that things change than that they stay the same. So, uh, you know, my, uh, to people saying, well, it doesn't make a difference. I'm like, well, prove to me or you know, demonstrate somehow that that doesn't make a difference because it, unless you can, you can change an entire thing. I mean, even, even uh, horse hide to cow hide. Uh, home runs had a huge dip in there. The players hated it, and it looks like it was it was actually because of the leather and the way the balls were made. There, there's always an adjustment mm. when something changes. So, um, so anyway, I was looking at the yarn inside. I thought that might be affecting, you know, the home run somehow. And it did turn out that it had to do with the construction, although not the yarn. It was actually the laces, uh, you know, the the thread that's used for the seams uh, was thicker on. 2017 balls than on, you know, before the 20, before the home run surge. Uh, I've since found, and I, I need to go back and I guess this gets to your, your final question there, that um, I want to go back and look at data going back, like, you know, b baseballs uh, as far as the construction, because there seems to be something in there that says that lace thickness might actually correlate with home run rate. Hmm. Uh, so I have, you know what? I have it on here. Let me check. You I must you have do. a spreadsheet. Um, <laughs> well, you, I, I do. I do. Uh, so I'm trying to see what's the number on here. Uh, I wish okay, we had a so, so I've got, um, what? Oh, I only have 1,250 baseballs. That's so depressing. I thought I had more than that. <laughs> seems, seems decent. That's yeah. a lot of rubber bed containers. Yeah. There's a bunch. There's a, I'm out, I'm out in California right now. There's a bunch here. There's a bunch back in Wisconsin. Um, so, you know, it means I guess I can do studies in one place. My humidors are in Wisconsin, so I can't, I had, I need you to build humidors? a new one. Are, are, are yours like cigar humidors or? No, no. I, I have two <laughs> DIY humidors specifically for studying. Uh, and I, if, if anybody had told me that this would be the relevant <laughs> data, this season, I would not have believed it. Uh, you know, last year, uh, you, you like how I'm building all the segues in without even planning it. I love it about you. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, the um, what we're calling the dead ball now. Uh, yep. This is something that MLB. It's it's a new design. Uh, certainly, you know, and I have gone back to like you know the early '90s. Uh, I think actually late '80s. Uh, that the baseball has been constructed the same way for decades. For 2000, they, they literally changed the interior of the ball specifically to deaden it. And uh, that, that innermost yarn layer was wound more loosely with the idea being that it then, when it hits the bat, it squishes more. And so you should get a lower exit velocity coming off. It, it lower, the, the term that lowers the coefficient of restitution. Um, that was the only thing they tested on it. So most of what we're seeing now doesn't, wasn't stuff like the drag, that much higher drag that we're seeing wasn't tested. They didn't look at, at how the ball actually, you know, how it behaved in play, how it behaved outside, 
how it behaved in the air. Just they looked at the coefficient of restitution. But um, so that was originally designed for the 2000 season and they made it for, you know, they made a bunch of them for, for 2000, but we had the COVID shortened season, you know, baseballs were so hard to get. 2020. Yeah, those are 2020. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there actually were two baseballs for 2020. Uh, and Stephanie Epstein did a, a great article on my 2020 study that, um, you know, there, when MLB sent out that internal memo to, to teams in February, yeah, 2021, nice for them to be so forthcoming all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was sent out a couple of days after we got the official statement at SI. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it seems like they might be related. The wording yeah. was the same. For instance. Yeah. yeah. Almost exactly. But, other, but w- without that study getting the publicity, MLB never would have said, oh, by the way, you know, we've I, got- I, uh, I would be surprised if they did. Um, but, you know, I, I'd happily be proven wrong. Uh, what ended up happening was they said, OK, and what they told teams is we've got all these leftover 2020s, which we knew because you only had two months. We're going to use those in uh. 2021. They they basically made it sound like they were going to use these dead baseballs. Um, in fact, they used both kinds of it because they actually made the normal or what we're now calling live balls and dead balls. Uh, sorry, my cat is saying hi. I can't um, relate. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, made, they made the, the, the live balls and dead balls uh, in 2020. So it's like, you know, a third of production was the dead ball. Um, they used both live and dead balls left over 2020 during 2021. And, um, you know, in fact, they used both kinds, not just all season long, but, you know, I was finding them with the same teams in this, in a given game, you would see both kinds of baseballs. Um, you know, they were just mixed in as, you know, I didn't actually find even a situation where there seemed to be one kind being sent to one team versus another. Of course, I only had 169 baseballs, which is a little hard when you have, you know, uh, what's it, uh, come on, Mayor, uh, 1215 games is that right oh that's that's too much math I yeah don't, I, i'm not we don't want to wear our privileged heads about that but a, lot, <laughs> anyway. a lot of games but let's let's stop there for a second and go back sure. to where do you get all of these baseballs and mm. this is why it's like a, a, a situation for you it's like how do you are you sure you're getting them from all the parks and well i i mean it's not it's not as systematic as i'd like because that would probably require that you know, MLB provide them, which is not something that, you know, they, they have, the, they have their own scientists who, who work on this stuff and they, they keep things internal. Uh, so there are the, I'm not the only one actually who, who looks at this stuff externally. I mean, Rob Arthur's kind of the other go-to, uh, but you know, there, there are, there are people who, you know, who, who really look at the stuff either on, you know, looking at the data itself or talking to players and, and, you know, doing different kinds of numbers on things. But, uh, I just, I guess I reach out to sources who in particular have access to balls that would end up on the field. Uh, BP um, game, uh, I guess a bullpen isn't technically on the field, but, you know, close enough. And it's everything from fans. You know, I, I have fans who send me baseballs that are actually authenticated. That's awesome. You know, That's so I can definitely label when those are from. Um, you know, I have other people that, I have, most of my sources, I can't say more than that. I have sources uh, for for good reason because you know if if MLB was really interested in having people outside of of their own group studying the stuff, it would be easier 
to get their help. So generally I can't count on that. And it's, I'm just more comfortable keeping everything as, as, uh, you know, as anonymous as possible. But I do have, uh, you know, the parks themselves are things that I know this season I'm being, people are been, have been great about, it, but I'm trying to be incredibly specific as, as far as like, if I can get it down to the game, uh, that's a very big deal because, um, you know, the ball has been weird enough. And, and frankly, the kind of things, you know, like for instance, the Mets players talking about how they think different kinds of baseballs are being used in nationally televised games. Mm-hmm. I would like to try to verify that, which means I need baseballs where I know which game it's from and preferably where I can ask in advance, you know, so can you get me baseballs from these kind of series so I can check versus, you know, it's just their impression. I, I like when that gets also spun out, speaking of Mets players, like Pete Alonso saying that he thinks it's this big, deliberate plot to mess with the free agency classes. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to have dead balls when there's a lot of hitters and mm-hmm. we're going to have like the lively balls or, or whatever it is, or dead balls when there's a lot of pitchers and, and lively mm-hmm. balls when it's, you know, you know what I mean? So, right, right. To basically depress the salaries of that group when they mm-hmm. hit free agency. That mm-hmm. seems like a lot more thought than MLB should be given credit for. But now I wonder. Well, it's 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 an interesting situation, in fact, because having looked at how the usage happened, you know, last year and then this year has been different. I mean, this year when players are talking about having dead balls, yeah, you know, so far what I'm seeing are mostly dead balls. Uh, they're leftover 2021s, which is also not a surprise because they they used, you know, half of last season was leftover 2020s, so they only used, I mean, they literally only were using. 2021s for after like the all-star break i found very few 2021s in the first half of that season so they have a lot of leftover 2021s unsurprisingly we're seeing them this year because they're going to use up stuff that they've got sitting on the shelves right so it, it you know between the the mob not being forthcoming and not wanting to share their baseballs with people like mm-hmm. you and also this what you're talking about with the balls kind of being mixed how much credit do you give to them for being deliberate like are they actually planning this like Peter Alonso is saying or do you think it's just like all right we have these extra balls we're going to throw them in here like how much well i mean there are a couple things first the the fact that two baseballs exist mm-hmm. uh that that has to be a decision somebody made because for, you know, for all of 2020 production, for all of 2021 production, I mean, I, I actually cracked their uh, Rawlings batch codes or inventory codes. So I can tell you essentially to the week when a baseball was made. Wow. I want to add code breaker to our introduction. Yes. That's much better. I prefer cryptography myself. Oh, that, that works. Okay. That right. cool. but, but add that to the notes. Um, yep. But the, uh, the thing is, once you sort of know what those codes mean, they when they made, say, the normal balls, they would make them for months at a time. They would then do a hard switch, make the dead ball for months at a time, hard switch back. So they were they weren't it wasn't like even one half was the dead ball and then the other half was the live ball. They were, you know, doing these in chunks during uh, uh, the 12 month calendar of production because they will actually make baseballs year round. Uh, roughly from say midsummer to midsummer, so it like they started making 2022 baseballs maybe in August of of this past season. Uh, so it's not um, the idea that two baseballs exist is not a fluke. It's not uh, inconsistency or some kind of poor manufacturing. In fact, mm-hmm. the 
like the dead ball, if you just compare dead balls to each other, they're very, they're actually incredibly consistent. If you compare live balls to each other, they're incredibly consistent. And MLB is on the record saying that that dead ball was designed, you know, it's, it's a new design. It was intentionally made that way to be deader or dead. Um, so it's not, it's not a, it's not a mistake. It's not a fluke. The two baseballs exist and there's a reason for it. I don't know what the reason is. Uh, what's happening with this season's dead ball, I do think is not something that they had planned for. Uh, it looks like the use of the humidor has kind of caused problems. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you had noted that like in like 2019, the players figured it out, like dealt with the, the ball being different, but they haven't yet that hitters hadn't really yet by this time, that time this year. And so that seems to be a problem. Is that because it's just so unpredictable or? Well, the, um, yeah, the, the 2019 ball uh, was, it actually was pretty consistent. Uh, in fact, what uh, you yourself can make your own 2019 baseball or, you know, like a 2019 if you want, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Uh, I discovered by accident, yeah. uh, if you have, uh, you know, if you make the baseball damp on the outside, you know, anyone, you know, it, it can be, you know, pick a year, it can be a used BP, it doesn't matter. Uh, throw it in the dryer, preferably with a bunch of towels, although I think that I did it to muffle the sound. I don't know if the towels <laughs> are necessary. You know, 15 to 45 minutes. When the ball comes out, it will have really slick leather, very flat seams, and be round, perfectly round. I love it that you've uh, so given that, the, the listeners a little project. Okay, yes, so everybody I, go I, I out there, get those baseballs. Yes, I want someone like to, you know, to post, oh yeah, by the way, I made my own 2019. But <laughs> when you describe it that way, you know, the idea that they're all round and they all have flat seams and they all have slick leather makes sense. Um, on the other hand, what's happening with the balls now is it's, they're sort of, going to end up being so different than predictability is a real problem just because mm -hmm. the performance is what's being affected in a you know the, the 2019 ball was its own good consistent ball except if you played baseball with it that was kind of the problem <laughs> so it was like it was the perfect ball except uh, for playing baseball that's um, a, it's use. i mean it's yeah. like last night we were you know this this bazillion inning mm -hmm. uh o's game and one of the the rays relief pitchers in the later innings was rejecting a huge number of balls Whoa, like okay yeah his hand, and then he'd like throw it over to to the dugout and people mm -hmm. are booing i think because they thought he was just messing around delaying the game and i'm like no mm -hmm. the ball's bad yep and and it's what's interesting is uh i mentioned about the the diy humidors the reason that i had looked into that was after mlb had said in february of 2021 yeah we're deadening the ball that's the point because i found there was a difference i hadn't realized that that inner layer was wound more loosely i just knew that the balls like the balls themselves are physically lighter they have you know they're wound more loosely there's less yarn they're lighter but they're all two and a half grams lighter it was you know very systematic was easy to find what ended up happening was after they said yeah this ball's been deadened uh ben lernberg and rob arthur looked at spring training data from March of 2021. And what they found was actually a ball that was juiced. Oh, wow. Um, this gets back to the interior being wool. Um, wool responds to humidity. And so by putting it in a drier climate like that, the ball, it, it's, it, it's kind of, people I'm sure are hearing this all over the place now. Um, it, it's like having frizzy hair 
and then with the drier climate, the 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 wool essentially defrizzes, as it were, and the covers are pressing in, so the whole ball kind of shrinks down and gets hard on the inside, as opposed to being loosely wound. Um, when that's the case, you would end up with a ball that's say just as hard as the live one, except now it's lighter too. So, so even more easier to, distance, right? Yeah. So it's easier yeah. to. It, found was that exit velocities were up. They did also find drag was up, but drag was not up enough to counteract the exit velocity. So it ended up with a juiced ball. Um, yeah. So this was, but this was spring training where it's dry everywhere, you know, like, so right. and this, there, there were no humidors, you know, this is Arizona or, or Florida. And um, so I decided, okay, well, I want to look and see if some of it was looking to see what the humidor what kind of effect the humidor was having and if it was different on live versus dead. Some of it was just, I was doing studies where if I'm getting a dry baseball and these things, they were coming in very small, very light, you know, and I, I wanted at least to make sure that as I'm taking data, like I needed the balls to be the same, like the, that's the point of the humidor, right? You want all the balls to be the same. Hence building my own DIY humidor where I can put like a hundred baseballs in there and essentially after two weeks, have them all be the same. That's, that's what MLB's, supposed to be doing. Yeah. Although that makes me um, wonder about differences between Arizona and Florida because Florida is hot and humid and Arizona is hot and dry. Did you, right, but in March, between... in March, it's still oh, okay. drier. Yeah. That's, that's the difference. I mean, by the time you're in the, in the summer, it does make a difference, but in, in, in March, it's not, it's not an issue or it's less of an issue, okay. but yes, Arizona would, yeah, definitely dry. All right. So I, I also want to add the, the mm -hmm. solving the, the frizzy hair problem <laughs> to mm -hmm. your, to your resume, because I could use a little bit of that. So if we could, if we'd work in some frizzy hair solution along with fixing the baseballs, I'm good. I, I, well, I actually, mine is so straight that, you know, it, actually what I run into is the static electricity because it's so straight. Um, so in you that case, uh, dryer, dryer sheets, dryer um, sheets that, that dryer you sheets rub same. it along. It, yep. It's perfect. That's what does it. I, I have no idea if that she would speaks help the truth. Hair, I'm just but, saying. Yeah. I, I don't <laughs> know why I say that, but I, I but she speaks the truth. So now, when when these balls change because of the humidor, are, are the measurements still within? I know MLB mm -hmm. has their range mm -hmm. of this is acceptable for the construction of the ball. Are they still falling within there, or does that actually? Yeah, in fact, they are. And and when they're not in the humidor, you know, when you've got the drier conditions, those baseballs, particularly with weight, they do end up too light. Uh, I have found them too small, but they really do have to come out of like Arizona spring training. And the, the humidor does plump them up again, as it were. Like, and that's kind of the, <laughs> that's the point. Like it's, they, you, out, you don't, you, you know, people, frankly, the idea that, you know, they might actually be damp is not, or maybe not damp, but you know, that you can sort of tell uh, wouldn't surprise me, but really it's just, they're regulating them. So uh, one thing that I have heard mentioned is balls are they when people talk about balls being kept in the humidor for two weeks, it's not like at two weeks or then they're they're in too long. The whole point is that you want every baseball in the humidor to get to a point where they're all regulated the same. So if it's being done right, the hum ball can stay in the humidor indefinitely as long as it's in there at least two weeks because it's not going to change. Oh, right, because it's going to maintain that. the very specific. Right, exactly. You just you want it so that it's it's equalized to those conditions of it's seventy degrees, fifty-seven percent humidity is I guess what's being reported. I I seem to remember the number fifty to fifty-five percent mm -hmm. in the past. So I I don't know if that extra, you know, having more humid 
might be having an effect. But the balls so far have tended to be drier because the the humidors aren't that big. Uh, You know, it's like it's basically like a large walk in closet. And um, they're only keeping maybe 200 boxes of baseballs in there at a time which is not, you know, that's not everything that's in supply. They're not, they're not keeping bad in practice balls in there. They're only keeping balls for games. And, you know, there has to be turnover hmm. if they're in there for at least two weeks. But what that means is that, you know, if, if you've got a ball sitting in general storage uh, in a lot of places, and certainly, you know, by now in the season, those balls will be drier than when they go into the humidor. Uh, those, the dead balls will end up shrinking down when they're drier. And when they, they end up getting humidified, they do expand again. You know, they, they do get to the same the right weights and the right sizes and things. The problem is that when that wool expands, you know, I was talking about how the cover actually will um will, you know, compress things in. It's it's tight. That's that's the point. Like the ball stays round in part because the cover is keeping it round. So by the way, I have this cool little demo, which I will make sure to describe stuff too, but that means if, if patty and potty mouth react to something that they're seeing yeah um, check check our instagram folks check our instagram picture picture a gobstopper that's like just really boring colors that's kind of what you're looking at um but the uh, the thing is that when that that yarn expands again it's not you know everything looks like it's a circle or a sphere but the yarn doesn't know it's supposed to be a sphere it just knows that as it expands, it's going to push out more into places that push back less. And the places that push sure. back the least are where the cover actually has uh-huh. a break in it, meaning yeah. along the seams. Like the least pressure is physically at the seam. So one thing you hear from players is the seams are higher. They're right. The seams are higher. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, um, I, I want to yeah. get back to that that part that you were talking about with sure. batting practice balls being different because that's going to increase player awareness because they're using both kinds. And it seems like we've noticed anyway on social mm-hmm. media that players, I don't know if it's just this year that it's jumping out at us, are being a lot more outspoken at like something is messed up with this. And there was a, a tweet recently from Jazz Chisholm, which which we wrote down here because it was so perfect. He said, these dead balls going to make my hair gray before I even dye it that color. Yeah. So yeah, I, mean, you- I got the same color hair as Jazz. I mean, we adore him. We're oh, very, I love very that. Pros, yeah. pro Jazz. Yeah. But there have been other players, Chris Bassett. Um, and so do you feel that, players are being are more aware now and are being more outspoken or is it just because social media is taken off and we're noticing it more well i think players are being more outspoken but i think they are being more outspoken with reason um mm-hmm. what what you have to realize is it's not that the ball the balls themselves are not different as i said they're using leftover 2021s. They're using the exact same baseballs they used in 2021. Not just okay. the same kind, exactly the same ones. And yeah, I can attest to the fact. Okay, here's here's my 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 demo from an actual game. Okay, this is a baseball, this. folks. It's an actual <laughs> baseball. Sorry, this is a 20. This is from a 2021 game or 2022 mm-hmm. game. Sorry, it's probably a 2021, but I have no idea. Um, you know, it's it's now starting to dry out. But yeah, it's the idea of, of players describing them as squishy or mushy. Mushy right, yeah. is what I heard, yeah. It, it, it feels like that. Um, I have been able to essentially shift 
like, it feels like I can shift the covers on this, which players I have said that. Done. Absolutely. Right. And, um, the kind of things that I've just been describing, you know, when that you're getting that expansion with the humidor, you know, you're getting, it's, there's something about how it does seem like it's going to be getting back to the humidor. And I don't know why it's different this year. I would love to find out, but, um, cause we've got like city field had a humidor last year. Fenway had a humidor last year. Players, are speaking out and complain. They're not just saying that the, they're saying the ball is different. Mm -hmm. they, the ball is different than 2021, even in parks that had humidors before, and it's still a 2021 baseball. So there's something else that's wow. different. Well, wow. that, that, that Edom Stairs piece that he just in the athletic, he called it how players are adjusting to the new ball. Yeah. And you're very clearly saying it's not a new ball. It may be treated differently, but it is, it is last year's ball. Mm -hmm. It is the same damn ball. Yeah. Well, and, and it's, I mean, what's changed is every park has a humidor now, but even with the parks that had humidors before, um, what is different is MLB seems to have instituted a, um, some very strict protocols, like they're running all the humidors. Uh, in the past, that has not been the case, or at least it hasn't been to, to this extent. Like they by running sorry. the humidor, do you mean like they're they're saying this is the humidor you're going to use and for how? Oh, long? No, no. Be, be, um, if you remember uh, a few years ago with uh, with the Astro sign stealing stuff coming out, they instituted what they call the compliance officer to make sure yeah. that like all the electronics were fine. This is the same kind of thing, except they actually have an MLB employee who uh, John Shea had a great article on this uh, last weekend uh, in the San Francisco Chronicle. And they have a baseball compliance officer who is basically the only one with access to the humidor. Uh, a person goes in and checks the baseballs very, very, you know, there. there's a lot of scrutiny that goes in. Uh, I'm picturing somebody it. going into like a chicken coop and like just, you know, checking all the eggs and then coming back out. <laughs> Except that this, I mean, what he's describing is like someone taking out and, you know, closely examining all of the baseballs multiple times, as far as I can tell. All right. Um, but that person, I believe, is really the only one who has access. Uh, I don't know about the the general access, but if you know the the idea being that MLB is is controlling the balls in a way that's much more specific. Uh, which, by the way, it it it's kind of like when you think of the whole Pete Alonso, you know, MLB. There's no way MLB would have been able to say, okay, yeah, you know, we're using this ball or that to the level of precision, or even, even when, um, with Bradford Davis's article on my 2021 study, you know, he talked to, he talked to at least one player who was, you know, saying, yeah, you know, MLB could maybe be sending different balls to different series. That's not something that would have been that easy before because they just weren't shipping balls to, in, uh, so that Molly Knight, I think reported on this where, uh, teams would get balls before each homestand. So maybe you could do for three series, but the odds of you being able to direct it to a given series would be right. tough. And even then you'd have to work on the assumption that they'd use up all of those balls. I, I know of at least one team in 2021 where they clearly did not do a first in first out. So, because I was getting balls from the same park and it just kind of looked like, okay, they just picked whichever ones were convenient huh. as opposed Everybody to get me a I box seeing, of balls. I yeah. was seeing turnover that was very different at that park versus others. Uh, oh. So the humidor has to be first in, first out because of that two week thing. Like 
or, or at least, you know, the balls that are less than two weeks really can't be coming out of the humidor. Um, if this, if you have somebody who's taking the baseballs, and I don't know if this would be a requirement, but if you already have a team that's doing something that's roughly first in, first out, and then they're in the humidor for two weeks, that's that actually you could maybe get to a level of precision for the for a series. Um, I don't know, but it it is the fact that MLB is actually controlling supply in a way that they wouldn't have before. You know, I'd like to know more about how that's done. Um, you know, there, there's uh, John Che's article is a good start. Well, that's fascinating, though, mm-hmm. that, that I mean, they can clearly control the supply, but they can't control what every team's doing. Well, so- but that's the thing. It's like in the past, they 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 couldn't have except down to the homestand. Now, because of the way the turnover is, I don't know, other than the fact that, you know, you know, two weeks, like whatever's there, you know, two weeks later is going to be used. One thing I really would love is batting practice balls have now become much more important than mm-hmm. they would have been in the past because they're not in the humidor. Well, no, not that oh. batting practice balls can be coming out and used in BP or any kind of practice um, or, you know, taken on a road trip as the, cause away teams bring their own practice balls. The same day yeah. that those might be taken out, the same balls might be, be putting, be put in the humidor. So you could have, l- let's say there's a particular type of baseball um, and it's being put in the humidor, that exact same, you know, batch boxes, whatever would be showing up two weeks early as BP balls. Make sense. So like there's a two week lag that might actually be there. Um, And, and part of the reason I'm interested is because, you know, we have had this, uh, you know, like I said, with the, with the Mets talking about, you know, how maybe nationally televised series are getting juiced balls. Well, if, if the kind of scenario I'm describing is how stuff is being done, then in theory, if I get baseballs from a team and maybe juice balls are showing up, by the way, I should point out, I'm surprised that they haven't really shown up in my data yet because we have all those leftover 2021s. There's two kinds. They have juice 2021s that are out there that have not been used yet. So they got to show up. Are, are we would, sure? Because weren't there, there were a couple of like crazy high scoring games very recently. And well, it was like, wait, is that where it came? But that's the thing. Those, those games might've had them. But mm-hmm. the point is, I don't, if, if, if it's something where, you know, maybe it's getting targeted that much. Yeah. It's, it's certainly, I would never have thought it was within the realm of possibility before this season. It actually might be within the realm of possibility, which is a little bit odd. But that being the case, you know, if I can't get the balls from those series, mm-hmm. getting BP balls from the teams that will be playing in those series, you know, or from the home team a couple of weeks in advance might, you know, enable me to say, oh, OK, yeah. Why am I suddenly seeing juiced balls being used in BP by this team? Yeah. Maybe a couple of weeks later. See, see where I'm going? Yeah. Yeah. The predictive aspect is great because, like, wouldn't it be nice to know in advance that this stuff might be coming out? Yeah, yeah. Sure. You know what, Patty? I, I, after the fact, which is how all my research always works. I, I feel like we need a, a corollary. We sort of have, like, a, a podcast rule that if you catch a ball at a game, you give it to the kid next to you or you give it to, to Dr. Meredith Wills. <laughs> like, you, you give That's it right. To right. Meredith. I, I, 
I have to maybe maybe if I send T-shirts out or something because I, yeah. I run into this a lot with people who like help to get baseballs. They're like, oh no, I had to give them to, to small children, and I'm thinking, <laughs> how do we get around this? Right, that's I don't want to. I don't. You know, I don't want to <laughs> deprive small children. But on the other hand, you know, I was literally talking to somebody yesterday who you know was able to get me you know some BPs, got me a couple of baseballs, and he gave one to a girl there who noticed he was catching more and wanted more. And I'm thinking. You know, how do you get around this? Because it's not like, you know, he is going to send them to me. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not like he's keeping them for the sake of keeping them. But yes, small children should get their baseballs. By the way, when did this rule get instituted? Because I did not get handed baseballs as a small child. It was, no, last we, week, really. I mean, yeah. It's pretty recent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we do so, the best we can. Okay. So let's back up just to a, a different level for right now. Why does it matter to the rest of the world whether the baseballs are consistent from game to game or year to year? I mean, what what's the difference? I mean, I feel like I have some answers, but I'd love to hear yours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I suppose overall, wouldn't it be great if a player's performance, you know, if, if past performance actually like predicted, you know, future success? Right now, that's not necessarily what we're finding out. Um, but on top of that, I just, it feels like the game has just become hard for people to, you know, I don't, I don't like that players are complaining about things that the lack of trust with MLB, you know, it's, yeah. it's already precarious. Um, if, if we really, you know, by virtue of this humidor thing, two baseballs is a decision somewhere by MLB. What's happening with the humidors does not appear to be something that said, Oh yeah, let's use the humidors so that the balls like get, squishy and expand funny so they get higher seams and oh by the way when they're sitting on the shelves for a couple weeks the balls you were describing as being thrown out i think they're developing flat spots as they sit on the shelves they're feeling them and saying nope right and so like when you you, players will describe them as having dents i can't imagine mlb like had a list of you know random higher seams check ball feels squishy check (laughs) Uh, you know Pitchers, uh, you know, they're more hit by pitches because they're the baseballs are no longer round enough to be controlled. Check. More baseballs get thrown out because they have dents in them. Check. These are not things MLB would have done on purpose. On the other hand, players are dealing with it. Okay, so you just said more hit 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 by pitches because the ball's not round. I was going with because the sticky stuff is, you know, all in upheaval. But it, it could very well just be the shape of the baseball that is causing the lack of control that is causing more hit by pitches is what I, mean. I, I don't I mean I think it might vary player uh, pitcher to pitcher, but what you're hearing, I mean I guess the way I look at it for some of this is some of the hit by pitches that you see, there's a lot of like hot, really high and inside, you know, these are not, these are not situations where, you know, you're not, guys don't head hunt as a rule. Um, you know, it's okay. not something you're not trying to, to, to like being a batter. Right. Uh, you have guys who are horrified when they, you know, I mean, I, I, I saw a pitcher drop to his a pitcher knees get, when, yeah. when right yeah. exactly yes I remember that and so that's who, I was trying to remember who it was now it was nope, yeah me either <laughs> Corbin Patrick Corbin yes was it was it was Corbin, Corbin. Oh, that's right that's it was Corbin right. doing it was like it was just, it was a yep. horrified look right. and to right. his knees like I this I did, yeah. this shouldn't have happened right and yeah. and but but that seems to, you know uh, Alec Manoa came out and and said something about it and you know, and they they showed a video of him and you could see the ball there's no way it was supposed yeah. to go there yeah mm-hmm. um i actually watch where the catcher sets up and mm-hmm. if the ball is really that far off 
the catcher's usually pretty surprised too. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> but a ball that's flat spotted, yeah, I mean, suddenly the way that you move it, and, and pitchers don't check. I mean, I've asked, pitchers don't like check the entire surface. Some of them do, but, you know, maybe now, hopefully the, the race pitcher that you were referring to now knows to look, and so he right. is, and more of them might, and check out more baseballs. Yeah. But in general, they haven't thought about it. Um, one that, that I found fascinating is apparently throwing errors are up. Hmm. which oh, also some of that. yeah we saw yeah. a lot of that last night yeah yeah, yeah. so it's it's not you know I don't think but I guess to your point about the sticky stuff that might be the case with some of them however the balls you know the balls are more squishy and I'm not sure if a ball is more squishy I tend to associate sticky stuff with grip but more in the context of traction mm-hmm. so if the ball is squishier is traction the grip problem for some players it probably still is but it's you know we can talk about something being a grip problem without it being a traction problem you know if if you've got a ball that's suddenly like you know a bit more of a got a nerf feel to it it's probably going to come off your hand differently right does the humidor make the cover slick does that have anything if anything um i guess no uh, okay. what I did find when I was doing my testing last year and, and, you know, I, I, I sort of forced part of it. I wanted to see, you know, like what would happen with extremes. So I did, I, for, for one, some of the balls I looked at, I basically jacked it up to what I called a jungle humidity, like for two weeks. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I got these huge baseballs that were, you know, they were clearly ha- did have a lot of moisture Palm when trees. I dried them out. In fact, yeah. the covers were actually no longer slick at all. They were hmm. rough. Okay. So, um, so if anything, the humidor is probably more likely to make the balls less slick, assuming that they're overhumidified. I guess. Hey, this this um, leads me to um, we asked uh, some of our uh, Patreon supporters if they had questions for you, and interestingly, oh. they were all external to the ball questions. But one of them is kind of a little bit about that, which is um, our friend Deborah wants to know a little bit about the mud, right? You know, what is it about the mud they use to rub up the balls, and they they really have to get it from a specific place? Can it yes, be imitated? They really do. Yes, and really so, so, so if you can talk more about that for a little bit, but also when does that happen based on, you know, when are they rubbing up the balls before the humidor, after the humidor? I don't wow. know. See that, and that, this is, they, they changed the rules on that too. Um, in fact, they, in the past, the, the umpires are supposed to rub them up, uh, which does not really happen. Usually they, they farm it out to, you know, clubbies turns- are, are the ones. Yeah. <laughs> so somebody who, but usually someone who works for the team mm-hmm. who does it, um, and the uh, in the past, they would rub them up like for a, a given series, say, you know, there'd be a few days in advance. And which makes sense because you're always going to have extra because God forbid you run out. You know, you don't, you don't want to run out of rubbed up baseballs because all the game balls are supposed to be rubbed up. Um, however, there's now been much more of a focus on balls being rubbed up the day of. So there do not appear to be a lot of leftovers and they're being done every day. Whereas before I believe they, they, they weren't always, but they could be done in like, you know, several game groups. Um, on top of that, and this really surprised me because I think one of the reasons we could be seeing issues with the humidor is because I also found that, you know, essentially drying out and rehumidifying baseballs seem to make problems worse. Which if you think wow. about it, you know, like, okay, the, the seams, you know, like the seams go up the first time. If you dry the ball out again, and then you put it back in, the seams are just going to, it's just going to keep pressing out every right. time it expands. Right. Like you could see it sort of doing the same thing over and over. Um, 
So I had assumed, just never assume anything, I suppose. Uh, but th- that once, you know, they would rub the balls up, you know, you do it close enough to game time and they, they just leave them out till the games. Cause you know, games are several hours long. Uh, it turns out that part of that rule that MLBs put in is balls are not supposed to be out of the humidor for more than two hours. So the way that it works is that compliance officer comes in, gets baseballs, takes them to be rubbed up. It has to be done in less than two hours. They get put back in the humidor until a half hour before game time, at which point the baseball compliance officer puts them in a sealed bag with, I believe, like a sticker on it to make sure it doesn't get opened. I mean, the the level of security seems to like, I don't know why it's a big deal this season, uh, because I don't think there were, you know, I could see potential problems, but I don't think there would have been that many problems in like the half hour before the game, really. Uh, It then gets brought out directly to the person in the dugout who does the authentication. And as far as I know, the person, the authenticator is the one who then hands the balls to the bat boy to give them to the umpire. Wow. Meanwhile, they're in a sealed bag the whole time so that they stay at humidor conditions until they're handed to the umpire, uh, which I think is excessive. And I don't, no, I, nobody's, they're not gonna, they don't dry out that fast. Nobody's so. sneaking like a, a cup of like dry white rice in there to help suck out the moisture. <laughs> like if it's a wet cell phone. No. Okay. Just check in. That's why it's sealed because people like me think of those things, Meredith. Well, so, it's, I don't believe it's zip locked. I mean, it sounds like it's okay. just, a, 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 it's just a, um, a zippered bag. Okay. Uh, I did speak to, to, to one person who said that, you know, uh, as far as they knew the bags, at least they used to be leather. What I've seen, the ball bags, they're, you know, maybe not canvas, but kind of a woven something. But usually those have almost a plasticized lining nowadays. You don't usually just see like breathable canvas for storage, anything nowadays. So it does seem like it's probably not, you know, like whatever air stays in there is going to stay in there for, for the game, except when it's getting opened up to hand balls out. So... Wow. Yeah. You know, I'm going to throw in one more Patreon question, a a shout out to our friend, Brian, who apparently is also a scientist because he's, he's talking about other variables. So of course, when you're doing these experiments, you want to focus on just one variable, but what about the influence of other things like weather or humidity or roofs, Mm -hmm. you know, the the stadiums that are domed and not, Mm -hmm. how did those, those different variables play into, to your equations here? Well, for my stuff, uh, not as much, if only because, um, or not as much as what other people do, because what I'm looking at is the physical construction or the physical, like, makeup of the baseballs themselves. So if I see differences, I might see things that are related to, you know, basically how dry the baseball is. A lot of it just comes down to that. But um, as far as variables, things like weather, because of the hum- humidors, they don't have much of an effect because they're not seeing the light of day until the last minute. And uh-huh. so it might affect how the ball travels in the air, but that's because of the properties of the air, not the properties of the ball. Um, you know, if it's, if, it's, if it's warmer, the ball will, will have, you know, it'll travel more easily through the air. But um, the, the kinds of things that I do look at, uh, I try not during the season to um, to mess with the balls too much when I get them because to some extent uh, it, it it can depend I guess on how long they take or uh, for instance I know one case where someone did actually send me balls from a rain delay that came in a Ziploc bag 
still with water in it. Oh. Rank. They were. Yeah. Oh, I did manage to drive that enough to get some data, but, you know, obviously it was useless for a bunch of stuff. Um, yeah. The, I mean, the, the variables are there that it mostly just has to do with like how dry the baseball okay. is. And so I will, um, knowing where they come from and how long it's been since they were, you know, since whoever my sources got them does make a difference. You know, so like something that's from Arizona spring training and it's been down in Arizona for, you know, however long. Yeah. You know, I'm going to expect something where the numbers are a little bit off. Mm-hmm. Um, it it depends. It also depends on the study. Like when I was doing my, the historical stuff, that's a big reason for having the humidors because balls that have been sitting just in the open air on somebody's shelf for, you know, 15 years, they dry out. And so by virtue of at least putting them in the humidor, I can get them close to what they would have been. But that's also because of the kind of data that I'm trying to take, which isn't necessarily during the game stuff that that I'm looking at now. So So what what do you hope to have come out of this? Like right now, the immediate result of learning about your research is we know what happened. We know why what happened happened. Is there a looking forward piece that you're hoping for to come out of this? Well, I'll tell you, it's it's kind of, I feel like the, the most important thing is really to sort of keep attention on the problem. Like we shouldn't be finding out after the fact about changes. And, and so far, every single thing that we have heard from MLB has been, you know, at the very least, because a journalist asked the question, you know, even with Ken Rosenthal and Eno Saris's article uh, at the beginning of the season, they had to ask about which balls were being used. It's not like MLB came out and said, oh, yeah, by the way, we're definitely using the dead balls. They had to ask. Uh, Otherwise, you know, whenever there's been a mix, not only did we have to ask, but, you know, I don't think they would have brought it up had that not (laughs) happened. And that was even after, in both cases, after the season. So, um, you know, drawing attention to it and certainly making it clear what's going on such that, you know, I don't know how we change things, but I do know that if we don't ask the questions, then the lack of transparency is just something that can slide. And, and you know, people's careers are affected. The game, you know, every, every time you hear about problems with the game, uh, you know, for popularity and stuff. I'm not really sure that having the league itself, you know, having this sort of weird change that they keep instituting with the main piece of equipment. I mean, every single, this is the one thing that every single player in the game uses all the time. Yet somehow they have no information about when the changes happen and why, and, you know, and they shouldn't have to deal with this every single year. Like it's, it's really, you know, I love baseball, like as a game, it would be really nice if baseball could just be baseball instead of kind of this weird, let's test things. Um, right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, if, if we don't, if we don't ask the questions, nothing can be fixed. Yeah. It's a good way to put it. Oh, wow. I, I want to thank you so much. I know that Patty has to run to get to Adley Rutschman's debut at, at Camden Yards, but I want to say if our listeners want to send you some baseballs or want to contact you for more information, how can they do that? Well, I'm mostly on Twitter. Uh, my handle, and you know, feel free to put this out, you guys, because I like the most annoying handle in the world. It's uh, uh-huh. Baseball Astrophysics, which is BBL underscore astrophysics without the I. Um, 
and I, I will link to that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I have in fact opened my DMS, which was not something I had done before, but I am, it's that important to be getting baseballs this year. So, you know, reach out to me if you've got them, we will figure out about, you know, you being able to send them to me and help, you know, if, if you're catching balls in BP, that's fine. Um, you know, if you, if you know somebody who might have access to them and, you know, there, there's a lot of different people, you'd be surprised at the people who can somehow track down baseballs. Meredith, this was so much fun. Thank you for joining us. And we're definitely going to have you back at a later time to talk about your Hall of Fame knitting because it's a whole other area that I want to dive into. We really appreciate your time and the work that you do. We're going to help you beat that jump about. It's the baseballs. Pay attention to the baseballs. I can't wait until I like can retire from beating that drum, man. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Thanks so much. Thank you. As you can tell, we recorded our interview with Meredith um, yesterday because I had to run off to a baseball game, see above Adley Day, and something happened at the baseball game that couldn't have been written better. Six hours after interviewing Dr. Meredith Wills about her need for people to bring her baseballs and what happens if you acquire a ball in the game and you want to get it to her. I caught a ball. I've never caught a ball at a baseball game in my life. It was not a batted ball. It was, it was, it was Taylor Walls, you know, shortstop, um, you know, for the Rays who, you know, he was in, he was in the on deck circle and we had really good seats. See Adley day above. And he just, you know, picked it up. The ball rolled to his feet. He picked it up and threw it over the netting. And I just stood up and put one hand up and caught it clean. Ooh, no bounce, ooh. no anything. And, you know, the junior potty mouse looked at me like, huh. Wow. <laughs> that, so that's amazing right there that you caught it with junior potty mouse next to you because athletic prowess, like right there. Yeah. And not but right here. So that, <laughs> that was pretty funny. But then I had to do the algorithm. So we were sitting be, um, behind these two guys who I think were like, you know, a, a, you know, an, an adult with his two tiny adorable twin sons and then i think his dad i kind of think it was like you know we're going to the game with grandpa situation and so we had you know we'd eyed these kids as if anything comes our way clearly it's adorable mm -hmm. kids get one so an usher actually brought a ball up and gave it to one kid and we're both like uh-oh there's two kids and then an inning or two later so another fan ran down with another ball that they had acquired to give to the other kid and i leaned over and i had said to the dad Thank God I was so tense about only one ball for two kids. And he was looking at me like, I've been worried about that for innings. And I said, yeah, I promise if I, if I caught a ball, it was going to go to you guys. And then I catch this ball <laughs> and he turns around and said, you know, if my kids didn't have it, I would have beat you to that ball. And I'm like, if your kids didn't have it, they'd get this ball. Yes. So, so here's the algorithm. The, the kids around me already had balls from the game. And the a ball that would have been special to me would have been thrown or hit by Adley Rutschman or Brett Phillips, mm -hmm. right? The two people probably most important to me on the field. And it was neither of those things. It was a guy I don't really care about either way who just pitched it over the netting. So it's going to Meredith. I've decided that's my algorithm. Yeah. So Meredith is getting a baseball from the Orioles Rays game on May 21st. And I hope she finds out something wonderful from that. That is so cool. That's absolutely just fate. It's just wild. In the notes, we're going to have um, a way for you to contact Meredith. So if you walk away from a ball game with a ball that's not meaningful to you and you think might be meaningful to the greater good of solving the weirdness that is the the, the, the construction of baseballs, get a hold of Meredith. She'd be happy to take that off your hands. We have a fantasy league and Adley Rutschman's finally on my team. 
Oh man. Yeah. One day it changed my standings, but not yet. Cause right now spicy Susie is still number one. Bono's boyfriend's number two leftovers. Number three. However, there has been a disturbance in the force. The kids <laughs> without making a single change since opening day are now number four. I zombies for adults. Number five, Karen's legit team. Number six, super depressed ace fan. There's been a change in that yes, name. There has been. Number seven, Deborah F's team number eight. Sorry about that. Hail Mary's hanging on to number nine. I might say buy a fingernail because I'm coming up. I'm still number 10. And then Potty Mouth supporting us all on her very supportive shoulders. And I am so far in the basement. Like I am many, many, many points below you. And I've been trying and I just can't do anything with the guys that I got. It's, yep, it's true. Bumpy roads, bumpy roads, man. There's a lot more baseball to happen. There's more baseball to happen in the next like hour or two and the next right. few days. What do we have going on? So right now, I'm, I'm wondering if I am dressed appropriately. So we're going to the Bowie Bay Sox in a matter of moments. And it's it's Fun Cup Day. And I am very excited because that means Copa de Deversión. It's going to be their alter ego, las, Los Cangrejos Fantasmas. And I'm wearing my Cangrejos t-shirt and it's black. And it's fucking hot out. It is, but you're thematic and you're going to have to do it and just drink a lot of water. Okay. Al- alternate water with beer. Okay. I, I can do that. We have a designated driver. We're good. Oh, awesome. That works. That totally See? works. All right. I, I'm actually loading up on water right now. So I, I came very close to the te- te- tequila shot for the, the podcast, <laughs> but but no. And then, I, we, you know, we said if we can do one game a week, we'll be happy. All of a sudden, we had three games. Well, some of us had three games this weekend, and we might have two next weekend. Yeah, I feel like we need to go to the Nationals game on Friday. We don't have tickets yet, but I hear that there are some still available. Even <laughs> though, although I, I think we better like m- move on this because it is Juan Soto uh, shuffle bobblehead night. So it's not it's not just the head that bobbles. It's like the whole thing kind of seesaws is what it looks like him doing the shuffle. So I'm very excited about that. That's going to be a huge addition. I think that bobblehead's going to have to go to work because I think when I'm sad at work or frustrated, just like watching, <laughs> watching one <Juan> shuffle <laughs> will be my solution. My little bit of happy will be the Juan shuffling. And then hopefully next weekend, we're going to see your guy pitch fingers crossed at the, the Nat, the Fred Nats. Fredericksburg Nationals. That's right. That's right. So that's that's single A Nationals. And we're, we're get, hoping to find out which day he's starting. We're hoping it's on Sunday because that's convenient for us. And I know that's how managers plan their lineups. And for those of you who are paying attention, this is going to be if, with the Bay Sox. And we went to the, the Blue Rocks. And now we're going to the Fred Nats. We are only missing the Harrisburg Senators for a full set of Nationals teams this summer. Except for you know that the Bay Sox are actually Orioles. Oh, shit. I didn't say that. I did say that. That's right. Oh, well. I that's guess we're okay. going to have to do another set. It's it's still it's still the it's still the um, the Harrisburg team that's missing because we have yes. we'll have Red Wings. We had Fred Nance. <laughs> the Red Wings. Blue. That's the one that yes. I was that I was thinking. Yeah, of. The, the, okay. triple one, the triple A Re- one. Rewind. Rewind. All right. Yeah. Red Wings. Blue Rocks. Fred Nats. Wait, which uh, I can't even put them in order. <laughs> I, can't. I and and I haven't had any alcohol yet. Maybe that's why. Mm-hmm. That could be why. Usually, like we're Clearly. we're in better shape for this, but it's you know Clearly. it's still before noon, so um, we didn't even spike any. Co- well, I didn't spike any coffee today. We're not in the same room, so no. there's also I did have that situation. Coffee, so I don't even have that excuse. The important thing is if you um, catch errors that we didn't catch like this one just now <laughs> feel free to contact the corrections department which would be which would be basically any way you can get a hold of us on social media 
Yeah. So apparently I'm the one who needs the most corrections. So I'm the one who fields the corrections. Find us on Twitter at NCIB Podcast. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at No Crying and B-Ball. And also, if you want to get in some questions when we have another cool interview or just interact with us a little bit more or hear some of our ramblings that we stick up on Patreon, or I think I'm going to bring the microphone today just for the fuck of it, might as well check us out at patreon.com slash no crying and b-ball. We are very reasonably priced. You know, you can just throw us a buck and you end up being a patron, Patreon, Patrite. You're, you, you're supporting Supporter. us. And we, and we <laughs> really, really, really appreciate it because that keeps us going with our monthly expenses. So thank you all. Thanks to our current Patreons who still have not put in their request for stuff for us to say on air. So you, um, those of you who are up there at the $5 level, just send us a message. What do you want us to say? You know, we're not going to hold a gun to your head, you right. know, but we're, we're also not going to get to the point where we lie and say what we're saying was suggested <laughs> by you. But we're going to hold that out there as a possibility. So just, just you, you are warned. Yes. You are warned. Hey, um, you should definitely get boosted the second time if you haven't. I still need to do that. So I'm, I'm preaching to the choir of people who need to do it. Anyway. I did it yesterday. Did you? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so proud of you. That is so great. You need to fight the man. You need to send your baseballs to to Dr. Meredith Wills. And until next week, say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. hard to say goodbye. I know, I know. It's always hard to say goodbye. It's hard to say goodbye.